0: Hello, and welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in the cybersecurity industry about their careers, specifically how they got into it and how they advanced. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we're joined by Randy Ra, who's the CISO at Veterans United Home Loans, and who also works as a leadership coach. Welcome, Randy. How are you this morning? I'm great,
1: Gene. Thanks for having me on the, the show.
0: Well, we're really excited to have you here. And uh, I know we did uh, some prep. And uh, I think for our listeners, I think this is gonna be another great show. So thank you very much. So so why don't we jump into it? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey of how you became a CISO? I did look at your LinkedIn profile and uh, you didn't go to school for it.
1: No, I went to school a long time ago. I graduated high school the year the ibm pc was released right Um, so i kind of have grown up through the internet beginnings back when we thought everyone would be noble and uh just and right and nobody would abuse the internet and we had all unencrypted uh everything because that's just it was an educational pursuit and why would we abuse that to where we are now which is a little bit of a different scenario But to your point, I really started out, I actually had a complete career change. I have a degree that's completely unrelated to what we do, but everything's been self-taught through that growing up phase of when networks were, we were still arguing about token ring and ethernet and which one was the better topology and technology. I've been in that technical realm, was at a couple of different schools, building out networks, pulling wire through really bad drop ceilings and fiberglass insulation and all that I was on that technical realm and, and developing leadership skill sets along the way and, and kind of am, am where I am now from a, a merger of those two. Well, that's awesome. It's, a, it's always an interesting journey. And I know
0: we talk with some people who aren't our age, they're uh, more joining the industry. And uh, so they can go to school or they can go online and learn a lot about cybersecurity. But for those of us that have been at it a while, it didn't exist. So it's a great journey and it's only continuing to explode as we talk about to our listeners. You know, 3.4 million open positions today really lead to a lot of opportunity for all of us. So let's roll into our next question. So what's your approach to hiring for cybersecurity roles? You know, what what specifically are you looking for?
1: Yeah. So our hiring is a little bit impact and what well, not a little, a lot impacted by the industry that I'm in. So we do mortgage origination and right now. That industry is struggling, the entire yeah. industry. Right. You know, it's the uh, Rising interest rates, low home inventory is not necessarily a recipe for success for us. Mm-hmm. So we've been really focused and conscientious about hiring from a specific perspective of really thinking about how can we do hiring in a way that we find the right people that are already in the organization. For us as a company, culture is critically important. We have three company values that we live by, we hire by them, we review by them, and they also fit our department really well. And so we look at it as we kind of have the opportunity to do career path training for people, bringing a lot of people off of our help desk and other entry-level positions to help them progress in their career. We begin talking with people about, do you have an interest in cybersecurity? If so, why and what area? And if there's a match there... And they're a culture fit, both for the company and for our team, because we really also value diversity of thought. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But I don't want somebody that's on the team that just says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the same thing. It's, I think the exact same way. It's like mm-hmm. we need some contrarian thoughts. Right. And we need to really debate the right things and have healthy conflict around ideas and ideals, not around people and not around our beliefs necessarily, but around what is the value and really. What are we thinking and how do we get there?
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's really critical. And I think that the help desk angle to get into cybersecurity is definitely a common theme that we hear is the barrier to getting into help desk maybe slightly lower, but a great stepping stone. Show a propensity to want to learn comfortable in a very dynamic changing environment, which help desk definitely is. There are always a new set of problems us pesky users are always creating new sets of problems that our help desk has to figure out for us. So I think that really does play perfectly in line with where people want to head. If they want to head into cybersecurity, it's a great training ground.
1: It is. They get a feel for it. And we bring a lot of people over and do shadowing and talk about what it looks like. So that way people know what they're getting into before they get into it. Uh, Because it's not Oftentimes, I think people believe cybersecurity is like the step up, and it's the holy grail of the place where I want to be. And they don't realize there's a lot of mundane work. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is a fun job, and it can be different every day, and it can be really challenging. There are also a lot of mundane tasks that we might not always enjoy, but they're essential. And you know, being consistent, following your processes, knowing what your playbooks look like, is just as essential, maybe more so in cybersecurity than it is in the other places, because if we don't do it well, repeatedly, that could be a bad day for the entire organization.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. 100%. So I know you think empathy plays a key role in cybersecurity. Why do you think that's one of the key aspects?
1: I think empathy from the perspective, especially of had a conversation with one of our other executives this week of we were talking about why he feels like interacting with me as a CISO is maybe different than interacting with other people that he knows. And he said, when you bring cyber issues to me, you explain it from the perspective of the cyber risk that you feel and put it in a context of how I can understand it. But you don't stop there. You also Mm -hmm. ask me what I'm doing and ask questions about how I can join you in that work to make sure that we're part of the innovation process. I use a phrase all the time. We want to be the department of no, K-N-O-W, not I mm-hmm. N-O. yes. I don't really like, like having that. to be in a position where we have to tell people, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather say, what is it you're trying to do up front? The idea of shift left is pretty significant in developer land, but I think we need all of our things to shift left and involve security at the beginning because a one degree change at the beginning of a journey is almost imperceptible. But a one-degree change, when you're a 1,000 miles down the journey, that's a lot of miles that you're off. And if we can make that one-degree change back at the beginning, way more positively impactful, we're seen as being part of the innovation process, not the place where good ideas go to die.
0: Yeah, I think well said, Randy. And I we're uh, doing a prep call with Mark Varner, the c at Lowe's. And uh, one of the things he said was very in line with what you said, which is, He says, I I think I tell my team, we advise people on risk, not even cyber risk, on risk. Now, you know, my team tells them what the risk is. Now, it's their decision whether they want to do that or not. You know, if they want to take a loaded gun and wave it around in the store, well, okay, I've told them what the risk is. Now, it's the department heads, the store manager or somebody else, the the head of online purchasing is going to be, they're going to decide those things. But to your point, it is a partnership and uh, having a high level of empathy and being able to explain those things, both in terms of cyber risk and business risk, I think is uh, just totally makes sense.
1: Well, and I think the the larger context is also important to realize that empathy is part of a whole skill set of emotional intelligence, or people will re- refer to it as EQ. It's a learnable process. In cybersecurity, we're really skilled at hiring people with high IQs that have a very keen and honed interest in becoming subject matter experts and understanding the really technical in-depth piece. But even to make the step from understanding cyber at almost a myopic standpoint that might not be helpful to that risk-based perspective, I'm having a lot of conversations with people. I think that you have to have a relatively high degree of emotional intelligence of which empathy is a part of that, but it's also self-awareness others' awareness, self-regulation. Maybe I do want to just throttle somebody, but that's not a good way to get your point across, you know? So you've got to regulate what that looks like. And it may not be a physical event. It may just be telling someone you're just wrong and telling them that all the time. And they don't hear that. After a while, you're Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 you know? Yeah. And so it's that whole piece of developing emotional intelligence of which, again, empathy is part. I think that's a barrier... To get into risk-based thinking, it's even a larger barrier in moving into leadership aspects, especially leadership of people. You can be a great architect, a great in-depth, knowledgeable SME and not be able to get your point across to people who have other concerns if you really aren't thinking about that and training yourself in how to think that way.
0: That makes sense. Uh, so next question, you told us that you use a what I want for my leader survey with new employees. Can you tell right. our listeners a little bit about this? And because it probably is something that our people new in their career are going to find pretty useful.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I was working with a guy that was a, a manager of a gap store in uh, South Bend, Indiana. And he and I were talking about, we had great first bosses right out of college. And then we had a series of maybe not so great bosses. And we got to talking about what was the difference between those great bosses Mm. and the not so great ones. And we said somehow they figured out how to, with each individual person, lead them in a way that that person felt cared for and known and wanted to be led. And so we just, as we talked about that, we developed this concept of it really is an individualistic approach of what is it that you want to talk about that's important as I'm leading you? So we came up with this survey instrument and it's on my blog site. If you go to randyraw.com on blog, it's the first one that's there. And it's literally, how do I want to be led? What do I want from my leader? 25 traits. I just ask my employees to rank them. The top eight is usually what I do. And I'm getting down to really probably the top five is enough. Sure. And it's a starting point for a conversation because Gene, somebody you and I age and you think of Gen X, what does it mean to meet with me frequently? Oh, that's probably. Once a month, maybe twice a month. If you're talking to me more than twice a month, you're micromanaging me. But what we see from studies in in Purdue is the one that I quote the most of Gen Z, the newest group that is the largest group of employees coming along, they want to meet with their leader daily, sometimes Mm -hmm. multiple times a day. Well, how is a leader supposed to navigate those two really different scenarios? Very different, right? Yeah. You ask them, how do you want to be led? What are the things that you want? And then I'll work in that. The cool part about it is I try at least every other year, uh, it'd be better if I did it annually, to have them refill that out again. Because once someone has had some experience in their role and with me as a leader, those things may shift. They may say, you know what? It's just a given. You're going to tell me the big picture. I still want that, but it's a lower prioritization because I now need this next thing. I've grown, you've grown, this is where we end up going. And I use that survey for that all the time.
0: Well, that's a wonderful, power, a very powerful tool. I, I always have the pleasure of learning something new every time I do one of these podcasts. And uh, I'd never thought about that. So thank you for sharing that, Randy. And we'll uh, post the uh, blog on the links in the notes. So our listeners can definitely check that out and I'm going to check it out and see if I can start using it as a part of uh, becoming a better leader. So thank you for sharing that.
1: And if, uh, I'm always welcome to feedback, looking for feedback, yeah. because I think there's probably too many items on the list and I may be missing some new ones. So if people want to give me feedback on that, I would love to hear that. I Great. think that's the way we get better.
0: Absolutely. Continuous learning, right? That's, uh, I think exactly. like both of us sit in our roles today. We we've never settled. We, you know, the continuous learning, uh, I say my daughter is graduating uh, high school, you know, it's like it doesn't end at the end of college. It's a journey that continues throughout your life. And if you love that, it can be really enjoyable. Like I said, I'm 54 and I learned something new today and I'm geeked out about that. So thank you for sharing that, Randy. And finally, for our listeners just starting their careers, can you explain the difference between a coach and a sponsor and, and why you need both?
1: Yeah, it's really somewhat nuanced, but I think it's really important. There are really four roles that I think are something that we all need to invite into our life and have somebody that's there with us. The first one is a network peer, somebody that walks along a similar path, maybe at your level. You know, you meet them various different places. A mentor is somebody that talks with you. They're probably further along in their career. But then the last two are the two that you asked specifically about. A sponsor is someone who talks about you, but they talk about you in an advocacy role you know think in the roles that we're in we see people in leadership roles and and we can make connections with someone in another department who's looking for a leader especially if that leader is willing to say i don't feel like i have to be in this exact role in this department but even if it is especially in larger organizations someone that talks about you and advocates for you is a sponsor a coach is someone who talks to you especially in a technical realm they don't even have to be technical Most of the time, it's actually beneficial if they're not, because then they can't talk shop with you. All they do is ask you questions that bring out the ability for you to clarify in your own head. And this is hard work. Coaching is in being coached is hard work because it's up to you as the coachee to say, here's the problem I want to either get clarity on, or I want to make forward progress and forward momentum on. And so a great coach Sticks to that specific area and ask questions that require you to do the work to get that clarity from within what you'll probably already know. It's drawing it out from you. And it's really about skillfully asking questions. And it's a skill set I'm still working on. I'm enjoying it as I coach people, but I don't think I'm ever going to get there. I'm always learning from other people,
0: yeah, no, I, I think about it as also the the roles and responsibilities of who owns the next steps. Yes. I picked on coaching specifically. It's like, is it the coach's job to continue the dialogue and move it forward? Or is it the person receiving coaching? It's the same with mentoring. We talk a lot about that. It's like, I think as you set up that type of relationship in a work environment, it can be a little bit clearer if the coach happens to also be the manager and is driving that process to help that person get better than they own it. If it's somebody seeking coaching or mentoring, and then asking somebody, somebody calls you up, Randy, I, I know you'd be glad to help out a, a newbie who's, who's thinking about getting into cyber. I take calls like that all day long. It's that who owns the next step, right? If it's just one and done, then that's all it's going to be. And I I always say to people that reach out to me, don't feel like you're bothering me. I'm glad to help, but you got to keep me in the loop. You got to tell me what you need from me, because unfortunately, you know, you're not going to be top of mind, right? I've got a family. I've got and number of employees, I've right. got a board to deal with, I've got a, an awesome wife, I got things in my life. But if you reach out and or if you say, hey, this was a great call, I really got a lot out of it, can we get together in two weeks or a month, and I'll update you on what I'm doing? I'll gladly do that. But if you're waiting for me to follow back up, I will from time to time, but I probably won't be able to drive the process as fast or as efficient. So I, I think understanding who under, who owns those next steps, I think is critical. I'm sure you agree with that, Randy.
1: I do. You have to own your own advancement right. and direction. And I think what you were talking about is accurate, too, of as a in a employee supervisor role, either one can drive that. And if it's the supervisor who is setting your S curve, if you will, of your next challenge and your next step ahead, they can do that. But at some point you have to own your own progress and your own learning with that. Yeah. And it is that continual dialogue. This is where I want to go. Does this still match where you're at? And as a supervisor, as a leader, we can do that. It requires us to be more coach-like and less subject matter expert-like, less directive and more delegative and more thoughtful about what that person wants. And again, this goes back to that survey of, I want to direct my own career path, but I need your help in make sure I don't go off the rails, You know, helping me whenever it feels like I'm ready for the next step to really encourage me, provide me with inspiration to continue on. I think those are all really valuable and vital of things that we look at, as well as challenging in person to say, I think you can do more. I think it's in there, you know, and and draw that out of people.
0: Yeah. Well said. I think about my, you know, like you, I had a great first manager a gentleman by the name of Bob Simmons. And I remember meeting with him, you know, kind of second or third week, being an inside salesperson, making cold calls. And going to meet with him. And I thought it was like, he was there to entertain me. He's like, okay, what do you want to learn this week? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, look, this is your meeting. Like there's a million other things I can go do, but we get together so I can help you be better. Right. I, oh, okay. So then next meeting, all right, here's two things I'm struggling with. Okay. Right, that give and take, but uh, yeah, I think it's well said, uh, Randy. And uh, uh, I think a lot of great insight that I knew you are going to share. So thank you again very much for joining us I know our listeners will enjoy this episode. As a reminder to our listeners looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one-year free content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreatX Academy, using the promo code podcast. ThreatX Academy covers a wide variety of cybersecurity topics. Uh, you can learn more by going to academy.threadx.com. Also, please check out the episode that we did with Bruce Schneier, where we discuss his latest book, A Hacker Mind. I just finished the book and it's excellent. And uh, it has been one of our most listened to episodes. That is until Randy's episode gets up there. And then lastly, uh, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website, threadx.com. Thanks again, Randy. It's a Friday. Have a great rest of your day and an awesome weekend.
1: Thank you, Gene. Enjoyed it. Good luck, everybody, in, in your progress.